Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Aging Younger Radio, the podcast that's all about disease prevention using natural health alternatives. If you're searching for natural solutions to staying fit and healthy, you've tuned into the right place. Your hosts are David and Stephanie Tippy, two naturopaths with the advice and recommendations you need to steer clear of the modern medical mess created by Big Pharma. Today, more than ever, health is wealth. And on Aging Younger Radio, you'll get the tools and info you need to be the wealthiest person in town. So if having younger skin, a healthier heart, a stronger immune system, and more are what you desire, stick around. And now give a warm welcome to David and Stephanie. Welcome to Aging Younger Radio. This is Stephanie Tippy. David and I, we broadcast live from our clinic in, in Lauderhill, Florida. You can find us on the web, agingyounger.net, and you can always call us at 954-742-4430. Yeah, I'm David Tippy, and welcome to the Aging Younger Show. I'm going to start with modern technology is changing the way our brains work. It is a crisis that would threaten long-held notions of who we are, what we do, and how we behave. It goes right to the heart, our head, if you will, of us all. This crisis could reshape how we interact with each other, alter what makes us happy, and modify our capacity for researching our full potential as individuals. And it is caused by one simple fact, the human brain. And most of our sensitive organs are under threat from the modern world. Unless we take up to the, wake up and and understand the damage that the gadget-filled, pharmaceutically enhanced 21st century is doing to our brains, then we could be sleepwalking towards a future in which neurochip technology blurs the line between living and non-living machines and between our bodies and the outside world. Human identity, which is the idea that defines each and every one of us, could be facing an unprecedented crisis. It is a crisis that would threaten long-held notions of who we are, what we do, and how we behave. It goes right to the heart or the head of all of us, as David so aptly mentioned in a, a second ago. This crisis could reshape how we interact with each other and alter what makes us happy and modify our capacity for reaching our full potential as individuals. And it is caused by one simple fact, and that fact is the human brain, the most sensitive of organs which is under threat from the modern world. It's that modern world, isn't it? Yes. Unless we wake up to the damage that the gadget-filled and pharmaceutically drug industry-enhanced 21st century is doing to our brains, then we could be sleepwalking toward a future in which 
Neurochip technology blurs the line between the living and non-living machines and between our bodies and the outside world. It would be a world where such devices could enhance our muscle power or our senses beyond the norm and where we all take a daily cocktail of drugs to control our moods and our performance. Already, an electronic chip is being developed that could allow a paralyzed patient to move a robotic limb just by thinking about it. As for drug-manipulated moods, they already uh, they are already with us, although so far only to a medically prescribed to the uh, for prescription only. Increasing numbers of people already are taking Prozac for depression, Paxil as an antidote for shyness, and give Ritalin to children to improve their concentration, the ADD, the ADHD uh, kids. But what if there were still more pills that you were convinced that would enhance or correct a range of other specific mental functions? What would such chemical aspirations do to our notions of identity? And what would it do to those who could not get their hands on the drugs? Would some finally have become more equal than others? Or as George Orwell always feared? Essentially, Orwell, he wrote the book 1984, if you all remember, wanted to save socialism from communism, and we all know how socialism is really communism in disguise. Of course, there are benefits from technical progress, but there are great dangers as well, and we believe that we are seeing some of those today. We are naturopaths, and our day-to-day research is not at some university that strives for controlling the minds of the students. Our research is an ever greater understanding, and therefore we don't prescribe. We suggest, and it is not against the law, for you to treat or cure yourself of any disease, including to cure Alzheimer's disease. But One vital fact which we have learned is that the brain is not the unchanging organ that we might have imagined. It not only goes on developing, changing, and in some tragic cases, eventually deteriorating with age, it is also substantially shaped by what we do to it and by the experience of our choices in our daily lives. When we say shaped, we are not talking figuratively or metaphonically. We are speaking literally. At the microcellular level, the infinity complex networks of nerve cells that make up the constituent or the consultant for the parts of the brain that actually change in response to certain experiences and stimulation created by your daily choices. As we always say on our radio programs, choice matters. 
In other words, the brain is malleable. It's able to be hammered or pressed permanently out of shape without breaking or cracking. Not just in early childhood, but right up to early adulthood, and in certain instances, even beyond. The surrounding environment has a huge impact, both on our on the way our brains develop and how that brain is transformed into a unique human mind. Of course, there is nothing new about that. Human brains have been changing, adapting, and developing in response to outside stimulation for centuries. What prompted us to bring this to the attention to our listeners is that the pace of change in the outside environment and in the development of new technologies has increased dramatically. Society must learn that this will affect our brains over the next 100 years in ways we might never have imagined. Of course, the people developing the technology would not show you why it could be bad for you or our country. Our brains are under the influence of an ever-expanding world of new technology and multi-channel television, video games, MP3 players, Internet, wireless networks, Bluetooth links, the list goes on and on. But our modern brains are also having to adapt to other 21st century uh, intrusions, some of which, such as prescribed drugs, like the uh, Ritalin and Prozac, are supposed to be of benefit. And please note that we would like anyone to provide the evidence that any drug cured anything. All that proof is non-existent. Illegal drugs kill about 50,000 a year, and correctly prescribed Legal drugs kill about 500,000 a year. Electronic devices and pharmaceutical drugs all have an impact on the microcellular structure and complex biochemistry of our brain, and that in turn affects our personality, our behavior, and our characteristics, in short, the modern world could well be altering humanity and human identity. 300 years ago, our notions of human identity were vastly simpler. We were defined by the family we were born into and our position within that family. Social advancement was nearly impossible and the concept of individuality took a backseat. That only arrived with the Industrial Revolution, which for the first time offered rewards for initiative, ingenuity, and, yes, ambition. Suddenly, people had their own life stories, ones which could be shaped by their own thoughts and actions. For the first time, individuals had a a real sense of self and self-worth. We did not know at the time that the Industrial Revolution would be the cause of the pollution and toxins being dumped into our water and environment, which created the huge amount of problems that we unfortunately have to face today. 
But with our brains now under such widespread attack from the modern world, there is a danger that our cherished sense of self could be diminished or even lost. Anyone who doubts the uh, malleability and remember the meaning able to be hammered or pressed permanently out of shape without breaking or cracking of the adult brain should consider a startling piece of research conducted at Harvard Medical School where a group of adult volunteers, none of whom could previously play the piano, were split into three groups. The first group was taken into a room with a piano and given intensive piano practice for five days. The second group was taken into an identical room with an identical piano, but had nothing to do with the instrument at all. And the third group was taken into an identical room with an identical piano and were then, were then told that for the next five days they had to just imagine they were practicing piano exercises. Resultant brain scans were uh, extraordinary. Not surprisingly, the brains of those who simply sat in the room as the piano hadn't changed at all. Now, equally unsurprising was the fact that those who had performed the piano exercises saw marked structural changes in the areas of the brain associated with the finger movement. But what was truly astonishing was that the group who had merely imagined doing the piano exercises saw changes in the brain structure which were almost as pronounced as those who had actually had lessons, proof that the power of imagination is not a metaphor. It seems that it is real and has a physical basis in your brain. Alas, no neuroscientist can explain how the, the sort of changes that the Harvard experiments reported at the microcellular level translate into changes in character, personality, or behavior. But we don't need to know that to realize that changes in brain structure and our higher thoughts and feelings are incontrovertibly linked. What worries us is that if something as is not harmful or offensive as imagining a piano lesson can bring about a visible physical change in brain structure and therefore some presumably, presumably minor change in the way the aspiring player performs in today's world. What changes might a person's fixed or long allotted periods of time for work, playing violent computer games, bring about the eternal teenage protest of it's only a game, Mom, certainly brings to ring, uh, brings to ring alarmingly hollow or having a depression of void or self. Already it is pretty clear that the screen-based two-dimensional world that so many teenagers and a growing number of adults as well choose to inhabit a producing, is producing changes in behavior. Attention spans are shorter. 
Personal communication skills are reduced. Temperament is expanding. And there is a marked reduction in the ability to think abstractly. This uh, games-driven generation interprets the world through screen-shaped eyes. It is, also, it is almost as if something hasn't really happened until it's been posted on one of the social media outlets, albeit Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you, you name it. Add that to the huge amount of personal information now stored on the Internet, births, marriages, telephone numbers, credit ratings, holiday pictures, and it is sometimes difficult to know where the boundaries of our individuality actually lie. Only one thing is certain. Those boundaries are certainly weakening, and they could weaken further still if and when neurochip technology becomes more widely available. These tiny devices will take advantage of the discovery that nerve cells and silicon chips can happily coexist, allowing an interference between the electronic world and the human body. I read where someone recently suggested that the neurochip could be fitted with a uh, cochlear implant a device that convert sound waves into electronic impulses and enable the deaf to hear, and a skull-mounted microchip that converts brain waves into words. It was stated that the prototype is under research. Then, if both devices were connected to the wireless network, we really would have arrived at the point which science fiction writers have been getting excited about for years, mind reading. Hopefully, it was a joke, but how long does the gauge remain funny is far from clear. Today's technology is already producing a marked shift in the way we think and behave particularly among the young, but it has become addicting to older people as well. We must not, however, be too severely critical of, our, of others because what we are talking about is pleasure. For some, pleasure means wine, women, or men, and song. For others, it could be sex, drugs, rock and roll, uh, and for millions today, endless hours on the computer console is most likely at the top of the list. But whatever your particular variety of pleasure and energetic sport needs to be added to that list, which I forgot to name, but I am now, it has long been accepted that pure pleasure, that is to say activity, during which you truly let yourself go, for me, that's Pilates, I've been going four or five times a week, was part of the diverse portfolio of normal human life until the iPhone, as such other devices, uh, similar iPhone, uh, the, the, the Samsungs, and the, all the other uh, smartphones out there. Now, occurring at, at or during the same time with the movement, with the moment, 
when technology and pharmaceutical companies are finding even more ways to have direct influence on the human brain, pleasure is becoming the sole be-all and, and end-all of many lives, especially among the young. We could be raising a generation only engaged in the pursuit of pleasure, centrally self-indulgent who live only in the thrill of the computer-generated moment and are in distinct danger of detaching themselves from what the rest of us would consider the real world. This is a trend that worries us profoundly. For as any alcoholic or drug addict would tell you, nobody can be trapped into the moment of pleasure forever. Sooner or later, you have to come to reality. We are certainly not saying all video games are addictive. As yet, there is not enough research to back that up. And we generally welcome the new generation of brain training computer games aimed at keeping the little gray cells active for longer. As for our Alzheimer's research has shown, when it comes to higher brain function, it is clear that there is some truth in the adage of use it or lose it. However, playing certain games can mimic addiction in that the heaviest users of these games might soon become or begin to, to do a pretty good impersonation of an addict. Throw in circumstantial evidence that links a sharp rise in diagnosis of attention deficit hyperactivity disorder and the associated threefold increase in the drug biliton uh, prescriptions over the past 10 years with the boom in computer games and iPhones, and you have an immersely worrying scenario. You can't help be related to the dumbing down of our schools for the past 100 years to make society easier to control. There are many references and books out there, but you might want to review the deliberate dumbing down of America uh, Charlotte Thompson uh, is it. But we mustn't be too pessimistic about the future. For those of us who do our best to protect and build our brain, it may sound frighteningly over, uh, Orwellian, but there may be some potential advantages to be gained from our growing understanding of the human brain's Tremendous plasticity. What if we could create an environment that would allow the brain to develop in a way that was seen to be universal benefit? We are not convinced that scientists will ever find a way of manipulating the brain to make us all much more clever. It would probably be cheaper and far more effective to manipulate the education system. And nor do we believe that we can somehow be made much 
happier, not at least without somehow anesthetizing ourselves against the sadness and misery that is part and parcel of the human condition. When someone we love dies, we still want to be able to have the ability to express our emotions and cry. But we do paradoxically see potential in one particular direction. We think it possible that we might one day be able to harness outside stimulation in such a way that could be uh, that could be create creativity where surely the ultimate expression of individuality is actually boosted rather than diminished diminished we can only hope we remain optimistic and excited by what future research could reveal into the workings of the human brain and the extraordinary process by which it is translated into a uniquely individual mind. And yes, we are all one, but we are unique. And we have to keep that in mind when we are considering other people's feelings. But we are also concerned that the general public seems to be so oblivious to the dangers that are already upon us. We believe that debate must start now. We should identify the very essence of what it is, the human brain, which should be open to change, both good and bad, our children, and certainly our grandchildren will not thank us if we put off decisions much longer to get together and to bring this awareness is one of the reasons for this radio program. There is nothing on the planet that can ever replace the teamwork and the vision from that teamwork. So in every instance that we are talking about tonight, we invite every one of you to bring any awareness that you would like so that we can bring and become a national entity that can force this on to our what we call public uh, people who are elected but seem somehow get to be on some other side than the people who elected them. So we want to come together, and how we come together is going to be through personal contact. And, of course, our website is agingyounger.net. We have contact page on there. You can contact and give any information that you would like. And building this debate and building the total essence and identity of how we intend to build against the human destruction as opposed to human growth. We are the Aging Younger Clinic. We look and search for always the core issues of our clients' problems. How do we get to those issues is from asking questions, many, many questions. And When those answers become available to us, then we can apply suggestions. It has proven to be a very beneficial process for our clients have 
achieved some very great assets in improving their health and getting away from their personal bad health issues. You can go to the website, agingyounger.net, and on the home page you'll see uh, testimonials from actual clients. These are unsolicited testimonials uh, that we uh, decided to put out on the website so people can can read and do their research and feel comfortable before contacting us. I'd like to take the last few minutes of this uh, radio program that February 3rd is the Wellness Gala. It's going to be held in Fort Lauderdale at ArtServe, which is a very beautiful art gallery. Um, Aging Younger is the sponsor of uh, the Wellness Gala, and uh, we are pleased to be working with the CEO and founder of the Wellness Gala, Debbie Peterson. The gala is all about bringing together like-minded people, such as and um, vendors uh, who are involved in the alternatives uh, to allopathic medicine so that the public, those of you who are interested in learning more about what is out there to maintain a healthy body, one that's in homeostasis, one that is uh, balanced. So I encourage you to contact us at 954-742-4430 to find out more about the Wellness Gala. Please also follow us on Facebook. We do have an Aging Younger uh, page, and uh, you can follow uh, Aging Younger on Instagram. We will be back on the air next week. I want to say thank you to all of our loyal listeners for bringing us to the status of uh, featured featured hosts here on Blog Talk Radio. Until next week, have a healthy aging on the week, and God bless you all. David and Stephanie truly hope you enjoyed today's podcast and learned a lot of excellent information about how to stay healthy naturally. Like the old adage says, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And with the information you've learned today, you can put prevention to work for you right now. By the way, if you want one-on-one help and advice from Stephanie and David, you can call them at 954-742-4430 or visit their website at www.agingyounger.net today. Thanks for joining us on Aging Younger Radio. Here's to your health naturally.